here at MJ BizCon 2022. Where's the straightforward camera angle? Back again, Dimitri Downing here, and I'm pleased to introduce our up there, up there. I got a, we got a production thing over there. That's where we're at. I'm pleased to introduce our next guest here, Brian Vicente. Vicente. I'm, I'm a Vicente. I always say Vicente instead of Vicente. Vicente. It's like Vicente Fox. Vicente. I like Vicente Fox. Okay, Vicente go. Fox. Brian Vicente from Vicente Cedarburg. And if you haven't Googled that yet, it is perhaps one of the largest cannabis firms in, in, in the world. Yep. In the world. So yep. we're honored to have you. But we're going to chat a little bit about who you are. Uh, how you got it? How you uh, navigated into the cannabis industry, uh, your law firm, and and, uh, and what you're doing now? But let's start with uh, with your journey. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. What? Excited what? to be here in Vegas in this crazy trade show atmosphere. It, it is incredible uh, how many people are here. Right, it's a ton of energy for sure. For sure. So when did you, you, where'd you go to law school? I went to the University yeah. of Denver Law School. And I'm uh, unique in that I, the second I graduated in 2004, I, I started working on cannabis policy uh, and legal work full time. And I've never stopped. So it's that's, been uh, almost 20 years. Yeah. That's why everybody loves you because you're one of the most credible. Ad okay. That Fox, all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So you started in 2004 in cannabis advocacy. Correct. Correct. So, uh, so you were involved in the early years. It was early years, man. It was, you know, Colorado, I was in Colorado at the time, although I was working on national campaigns as well. And uh, yeah, it was eight years prior to any state legalizing cannabis and medical marijuana was still kind of a taboo thing in a lot of way, uh, places. So there's a lot of work to be done. This is a cool thing for me because like you're like a legend in this space and I get to interview you and, and learn more about you that I probably should have known. So when did you your, you start uh, like your law? So your law practice since 2004, well, it wasn't cannabis originally, right? It was a so it was 100% cannabis, yeah. Basically what I did from 2004 to about 2010 was just run a nonprofit organization, Sensible Colorado, okay, uh, and also worked with the Marijuana Policy Project to change cannabis laws. And a lot of that was um, in Colorado um, doing sort of impact legal cases. And I, I know you're a lawyer too. You know, defending folks who are dying of, of cancer and AIDS and using medical cannabis and being uh, prosecuted criminally for it. And that was ridiculous. So I would take those cases for free, would get a lot of press on it. And I also ran local ballot measure campaigns, you know, changing the cannabis laws to legalize cannabis in Denver or Breckenridge, Telluride, places like that to, to get press and to show the, the public that there's a, an alternative to, thank you, an alternative to prohibition. And during that time, I was out there, I was in the news, you know, I was doing it as a nonprofit attorney making no money. And eventually people were like, hey, you're the guy in the news talking about cannabis all the time. Can you help me run my cannabis business or figure out how to get it off the ground? And that's really how Vicente Cedarburg came to be in, in 2010. And then that was 2010. And, yep. you know, I'm thrilled about that because I did not remember, and I've probably heard it different times, that little portion about your, your background. But it's so exciting to see people, the OGs, the advocacy, the advocacy guys, guys merge, merge into successful businesses. And now you have 90 plus lawyers working for you across the world? About, about 45 lawyers and another 50 or so staff. And we're unique because all we do, all our law firm does 100% is, is cannabis and cannabis ancillary. Um, we do a little bit of you know psychedelics these days. We actually ran uh, and supported and drafted the Colorado um, psilocybin mushroom measure that just passed 10 days ago. So we're very excited about that. But We'll, we'll get into that in a yeah. second, absolutely. Um, 
So, back just a little, so people can know a little about your law firm. So, what kind of people should reach out to you? Ancillary, auxiliary, cultivators, dispensaries, delivery, distributors, manufacturers, all the above? Yeah, I mean, basically, if you are a licensed cannabis business, you know, whether that's a grower or a store or a manufacturer, you know, we're here to do your legal work, whether that's licensing or corporate, M&A work, investment work. Um, we also represent a lot of ancillary businesses, so transportation companies, tech companies that service the cannabis industry. Um, we also represent governments in writing you know, good cannabis laws. You're such a friendly, extroverted kind of guy. Uh, you know, I had trouble, I'll be honest, practicing law because there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of writing, there's a lot of office time, yeah. and it gets kind of lonely, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, if, if I could uh, achieve at your level, uh, you know, maybe I should have done, gone in that direction. But wow. You've done a lot yourself, my friend. It's all good. Well, I I'm learning, and I'm, I'm learning from individuals like you. So. Uh, this is this is great because one of the things we try to do is promote the OGs, promote the people who are generally concerned and have been and are still involved in advocacy and improving the industry uh, to get individuals out there to understand that when you support his business, you're supporting the movement as well. And I, I know you don't like to say that, but I'm saying it for you. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's other law firms like, you know, I don't know, won't mention any names. They're just coming to the industry because okay, that's another widget to make money off of. But when you are supported, the industry moves forward. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, I think there's there's an argument to be made that you know we helped, we played a big role in creating the industry. So I wrote uh, Colorado's legalization law with a couple of my colleagues. We're sitting here with the guy who wrote the Colorado legalization law, okay? And and that's the essentially the first legalization to pass in history that for, night. Which, what what year was that? That was 2012. Yeah. Right. And that you know that I think showed the rest of the world and the the next 20 states to come that legalization was possible. A lot of the framework of that law is actually copied in, in places like Arizona and Maine and really every state has you know some degree of that Colorado model in it so you know we started from a place of advocacy and we remain very much advocates but we also provide you know business services to these you know good operators yeah, simple stuff like LLCs all kinds of stuff right yeah corporate work you know real estate work um, I personally do a lot of licensing so when new states open up um, whether it's New York New Jersey or Florida is having a new round of licensing to let new people in to uh, operate businesses will help folks you know compete in those license contests and, and uh, dot their I's, cross their T's, and open up a business. And just because I know there will be somebody out there, you know, and I always tell people the limited licensing game, I don't like it, but it is what it is. And uh, it's a great way to, to establish yourself and get started in the industry. Uh, just to touch it real quickly, what markets do you see hot in regards to licensing right now? And you can help people with this as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any hey, we're active in any uh, you know regulated cannabis market, uh, really around the world, but largely domestically. Um, we're seeing a lot of licensing right now in the, in the South, which is fascinating. We're doing a bunch of applications currently in Alabama. We just actually submitted about 25% of all the licenses that were submitted in Mississippi. So it's just you, funny. You, you guys did 25%. Yeah, we did 25. We did a ton of. Uh, hundreds. So, um, and then, you know, Florida, like it's interesting, the South. And for me, I have a lot of passion about the tri-state. We're very active in New York, New Jersey, um, you know, Connecticut. We just submitted a bunch of license applications there. So these are new business opportunities and it's exciting for people to get in on the ground floor and we want to help them do so. And uh, retail, manufacturing, cultivation, their licenses are open, depends on the state, different Depends on the state, Alabama, and it's all open season. Any any license type you want to apply for, including vertical, um, or currently there's an application period. It actually ends December 31st, so get your application in now. Uh, that, 
Is that Florida? No, that's Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Yeah, which is just Sorry. funny that we're even, that's how far we've come into movement. That I know. We're talking about I, medical marijuana grows in Alabama. I love it though. Uh, but you know, New York, we just did a round of uh, retail uh, license applications for uh, you know, disproportionately impacted drug war victims, right? So New York's so moving forward with retail. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff happening. Is there a court case right now that froze everything or something? It froze a number of the jurisdictions, yeah. So there are still, you know, arguably they're still going to move forward with licensing these this first round of, uh, of stores. But there was a court case that froze those li that licensing process in a, in a number of uh, counties, right? In Brooklyn and other places. So. It probably impacts some of your clients. It impacts some of our clients for sure, yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm a lawyer, but I'm a lawyer that doesn't like to see a a uh, courtroom if I can help it you know yeah. I prefer to uh, stay outside of these this sort of litigation because it slows down the process right you know you you want people to have access to adult use businesses you know why, why should we gum up this, the works there the big smile you see on my face is I feel like a kid in the candy shop sitting next to Willy Wonka you know what I'm saying because it's cool I mean honestly I, I know a lot of stuff you know I get around and people think I know everything blah 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 but I don't but guys like you are making stuff happen like in behind you guys make things happen you know yeah. which is so cool yeah so I, i'm sitting here i'm learning from you yeah. and whoever you. watches this better pay attention and call you for that free hour consultation there you go do, there you, you go do you guys do you guys do that like because like you know i mean I, I know this one guy who's like worth a billion dollars i i told him you're gonna get into cannabis do uh hire a law firm get some paralegals you know get a team of organic growth together sort of like harvest and uh, truly even steve white and those guys did sure. Um, it's, a, it's a model to, go, to, to do. Is that something that they reach out to you for and you could guide them through the whole thing? Yeah, no, I mean, we hear from a lot of, you know, it's, I mean, we deal with anyone from high net worth individuals to family offices to, you know, your guy on the street, right, in terms of trying to understand this industry, understand the market, and then, you know, follow the rules and sometimes try to impact the rules, right? We help states and municipalities write laws that are better for, for all community members, right, not just business owners. And I think that's important to the longevity of this movement. Yeah, so you're working with governments as well. Correct. Yeah. Wow. This is this is. I, I'm actually impressed. I'm I, I I'm, I'm honored to be sitting with you. I know you don't like the flattery. You're a humble dude, you know, which is really cool. But it's it's really cool to be sitting with you. But you're still involved in in you know you got your business stuff going on. You're helping all these companies navigate the business waters that they need to navigate. And uh, but you're still involved in advocacy. I know you just started the national. How are you involved in the National Hispanic Cannabis Council? Yeah, so this is an interesting organization. It's a nonprofit that I was one of the three or four founders of. We founded this during the um, kind of the height of COVID when the Black Lives Matter movement was going on. There's a really robust discussion about race in, the, in, this, uh, in this country. And, um, you know, we had all been pretty successful. As, you know, my, my dad was first generation, you know, Cuban American. Are you Cuban? Uh, yeah, I'm, Cu I'm Cuban. Uh, soy Cubano. And, uh, you know, when you look at the numbers related to this new industry that we care so much about, Dimitri, we have, you know, 20% of the American public are Hispanics, right? But only 5% of, of cannabis business owners are Hispanic. We're, we're both Hispanic, by the yeah. way. And that's just, that's just ridiculous, right? You know, like this is a new industry. And who, of course, who's been most impacted negatively by the drug war and cannabis prohibition? Chicanos, Hispanics, and Blacks, right? And so these are the people being shut out of the industry moving forward. You know, not on my watch, right? So we formed this nonprofit to try to really empower uh, Hispanics in this space. And we've had a bunch of, you know, Truly, Curleaf, yeah, uh, Curleaf, a bunch of big companies join, a bunch of smaller companies join, and you know, we have a, you know, we, we we do some degree of government relations, but largely we're we're kind of a business incubator. We we, we connect people and we make sure that Hispanics have a voice and have best practices to. Be a, be a meaningful part of this new industry. 
You know, I'm going to tap you for my free hour consultation uh, about Latin America, Mexico, and Cuba, which you probably, uh, Cuba legalization, which, you know, we'll skip Mexico and Latin America. I'm going to call him for that. You guys can call him too. Let's talk about Cuba. What's going on in Cuba? And there's not, you know, I, I spent some time in, uh, I spent some time in Cuba uh, a couple years ago. I have a lot of family member there, family members there. And uh, I don't think they're going to be moving forward with legalization anytime soon. It's too bad because they have a great climate for growing down right. there. But I just think they're, it's a pretty uh, restrictive culture in certain ways, right, in, in terms of drug use, as well as, you know, gay rights and just other things that they are behind the times. Se habla espanol? Un poquito. Un poquito. Well, you need to get down there and find, oh, Castro's gone. That's right. <laughs> Who's That's in charge right. now? Uh, it's, it's, it was Raul Castro, but I think it's now it's now a right-hand man who I forget his, I forget his name. But yeah. Right. yeah. You need to get down there and convince them that it's a great, uh, great opportunity and great business to get into. Yeah. So, e excellent. You know, we, you and I need to get a little bit more uh, in touch about the National Hispanic Cannabis Council, see how I can help you promote. Uh, That'd be wonderful. In any way and, and be involved in any capacity you need me to. Uh, I love what you're doing. Uh, it, you know, you, you, you deserve your success Thank you. uh, as one of the OGs. Let's get quickly uh, into a couple uh, topics. What are the hot topics in cannabis today? What, like the scuttlebutt that people are missing by not being here at MJ VizCon? Sure. I mean, well, the truly remarkable thing is, right, just, just, you know, last week we picked up two more states, right? Missouri and Maryland are now legalization adult use states, up 21 states. And then the question is, what happens in the next six weeks, right? Will that create the pressure on this sort of lame duck Congress where you have, I think it's 18 new members of Congress coming from those states, right? Your senators and your reps going to D.C. You had, uh, you know, legalization passed by a, a, a wide margin in those states is something going to happen at the federal level and i know that senator cory booker is here and for this convention he's here right i now? got invited to a breakfast with him friday you know, to have a, you know i don't know if i'm gonna spend five thousand dollars to get a breakfast with the guy if it's like is a fundraising thing he it, should be paying five thousand to get breakfast with you yeah he should get him on your show here man we should well, put no. him on the record see what he's going to do for us but no but really um, he needs to learn from you the the, the the language the regulatory structure of the industry i mean yeah i mean I, maybe I'll, maybe i'll go to breakfast after all get, maybe, <laughs> maybe he'll ask me for that one hour consultation That's right. That's right. I'll say it. Pro bono for you, Corey. But, you know, the question is, what, what's going to happen in D.C., man? And, you know, if we have such a vibrant movement, such a diverse movement, and there's tons of, you know, more and more money and more and more states coming on board, are we going to see something in D.C.? There's a lot of momentum with what Biden did in terms of these expungements. Um, you know, so it's an exciting time. So Missouri, Maryland, again, we don't need to get into the details. Those are another, you know, 30-minute consultation. You know, but if people want to, you know, compete get involved in those markets, they should reach out to your firm and you guys are well versed. Absolutely, yeah. We've done a lot of work in both those states for years. And, and you know, a lot of people like to do business in person. Where's, where are you guys located physically? Sure. So I'm in Denver, which is sort of our flagship office, but we have a number of offices around the country. Um, our biggest ones are, are Denver, LA, New York, and Boston, but we also have a number of staff in Michigan and Florida and Texas. So we're, we're kind of everywhere you need to be, I think. No, nothing in Phoenix, though. We don't have anything in Arizona. But you guys have some good lawyers on the ground there, though, man. We, we do have some clients there we like working with. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, uh, I should get back into limited licensing. That's uh, just kind of the, the application process and stuff. There's a lot of money to be made there, folks. And there you go. Call him and he'll explain to you how that all <laughs> works. Excellent. So, we got the federal stuff out of the way. Let's talk quickly about mushrooms, though, because you were involved in that. And I really appreciate the fact that you're spearheading and leading that uh, movement into the therapeutical medicinal use of, of psilocybin for 
improving people's lives. How did you get involved with that and what were you doing there? Sure. So, I mean, we, you know, we, as an organization and as a company, we've been involved in drug policy reform since our inception, right? And we believe the war on drugs is a failure. Um, so the question is, you know, after we legalize cannabis, what, what, what's a logical next step, right, for us to look at? And, you know, you hear a lot of stories and there's a lot of data coming out about psilocybin mushrooms, you know, magic mushrooms, and the medical value that they can have to really alter people's lives to be po in a positive way. So a lot of that's veterans, people dealing with PTSD or, or you know, uh, victims of crime, uh, victims of, of, of violence, things of that nature, people with depression. Uh, being able to use uh, psilocybin in a therapeutic setting yep. and uh, really get positive benefits out of that. And so we passed a law, which my uh, law partner, Josh, helped write, uh, which really was pretty history-making. This, this now will allow Colorado to, uh, Coloradans to possess mushrooms, uh, to purchase them at wellness centers that are state-regulated, and to use them while they're under the guidance of a sort of licensed uh, therapist, right? And that could be like a spiritual leader, or that could be a... Um, uh, more of like a medical therapist. So it's really a positive thing. It also kind of opened the door for the way we wrote the law would allow for other natural medicines, we call them. So potentially ayahuasca, Absolutely. potentially peyote, DMT, things like that um, to be used medically in our state. I actually, you know, I was laughing there because I was thinking to myself like Pope, the Pope offering mushrooms, a spiritual leader. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we will dip into the mushroom pile now. And hey, man, we all need a little more spirituality in this world. No, it's a no, weird place out there, you know. No, absolutely. And I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your leadership. You know, I'm an old fuddy-duddy conservative prosecutor who has changed his ways. I found yoga because of the cannabis movement, because I opened my eyes, because I started to understand it's about choice, it's about freedom, it's about finding the remedy, whatever it might be. Maybe you like walking in a circle all day long. I don't know, it doesn't really matter, but there's so much, so many options out there in the world. 2016, I started doing yoga uh, because the cannabis movement, the guys at Normal, shout out to Normal, and actually shout out to Rob Campia at, from the MPP, he was mentioned earlier. He's done a great job helping everybody uh, get, to, I mean, this is Rob, Steve Fox, yourself, yeah, you guys, my, uh, Chris Crane, Ethan Nadelman, yeah, yeah. Keith Stroop, there's Keith the whole Stroop, Paul Armentano, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a group of OGs, I think, have been doing it for a while. So Yeah, and you guys are like, the, when the first MG BizCon happened, I wasn't there, I was there in 2012, but the first one 2011? Yeah. There was yeah. like, how many people? I mean, it was <laughs> a tenth of what's here today, man. I mean, not that many. Yeah. So it's grown, it's grown tremendously. Well, anything else you'd like to touch on uh, before we go? It's been a pleasure of mine uh, to introduce you and to get to know you better. Yeah, you know, man, I appreciate We've never that. sat down and had a conversation this long, yeah. so I'm, I'm learning about what he what he has done and what he's doing and what he's going to do just like you guys are so it's really cool yeah well, i appreciate you and i appreciate what meet is doing in terms of bringing people together and educating folks and the, the work you guys have done in arizona is very important so hopefully we can model that in other states well we appreciate you and we hope and pray for your success and uh keep on advocating for the rights of others it's the best thing to do thank you dimitri appreciate you appreciate thank it. you thanks so much